Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you have your Bibles and will join me in the book of Acts chapter 16 and verse number 25. I realize this is our fifth Sunday service and... Uh, you understand that with that comes a great meal to follow this service and a great time of fellowship. And I'm not going to belabor that issue, so let's just move right into the word of the Lord today and let God's spirit speak. I'm going to tell you up front that I am going to be along the way this morning sharing some personal experiences. And by no means do I want to come across as though I'm boasting on myself nothing could be further from the truth but um, I just want to testify a little bit along the way is that alright? Amen someone preach testify preach testify preach testify Amen until I see you getting weary and then I'll end how's that? praise the Lord the book of Acts chapter 16 and verse 25 very familiar to most but the Bible says and at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had all been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, do, not thy, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Amen. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture. But today I want to, I want to just preach to you from this thought. Unintentional influence. Unintentional influence. We're, we're all influencers. And we are all influenced. But there are some times in our life that, that the end result of what we receive has, has really not been by plan or by design of ours. It has been quite unintentional on our part. And so I just want to speak to you about that for a little while. Amen. May the Lord bless you and you can be seated in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, most of the things that we, we do for God, we do on, on purpose. And I would also say that we do with a purpose. And so there is an expected end. They are intentional and they are consciously planned. This past Wednesday night, I mentioned several things about the various ministries of our church and I'm not going to try to rehash all of that again for you this morning, but I did talk about Wednesday about how intentional we are with the various ministries of our local church here. Now, we never, ever want to run the risk of programming God out of our ministries or out of what we do, whether that's a corporate service or whether that's some ministry that we have uh, outside of uh, the Sunday and Wednesday. And I've heard a lot of people in fear of programming God out, in fear of that, they would... They would protest any kind of organized effort because we want God to have his way. Well, 
let me just go ahead and nail this down really good and tight this morning. We, we want God to have his way each and every time that we come into this place, but we do desire each ministry of our church to have a plan. And because of this, for example, musicians and singers practice what they're going to sing every Sunday morning. Long before you, many of you arrive, they are planning what is going to be uh, played and sang that day and they're, they're up here and, and they may have gone over those songs, they may have been singing some of those songs for several years, but they're singing them one more time, making sure the key's right and the harmony's right because we wanna be intentional about about what we're doing, and I can tell you that that they have spoiled us. I was listening today, just the praise and the worship, and I just appreciate so very much not not only the finesse and the class with which they present it, but the wide variety of what is presented. I appreciate that, and I again applaud their efforts. I've been thinking about this particular service myself and praying for the mind of God long before you arrived today. Yesterday afternoon, as I began to set everything else aside and, and uh, pick up my Bible and to try to refocus and go back over the events of this morning, uh, the intended events of this morning at least, I wanted to kind of focus myself and I wanna make sure that you don't just open the Bible at random and just start preaching. <laughs> I believe there's a mind of God for every service and a will of God for every service. And, and so if you've been doing something for very long at all, you, you know there's an outside chance you learn how to do that. You can learn how to build. You can learn how to uh, do so. You can learn how to do anything, a lot of things. You can learn how to play an instrument. You can learn how to sing. You can learn how to preach. You can learn how to teach. But that's not really about what we're about. We want the mind of God. We want the mind of God. So as intentional as we are desiring to be, uh, we, we certainly uh, want to plan and we want to prepare. But with all that said, beyond the planning, beyond the preparation, sometimes our most meaningful ministries are performed unintentionally. It's not a matter of our planning, but rather it's a matter of God taking control and allowing something to flow out of who we are and what our lives are all about, amen. I really believe that. I believe uh, in recent weeks, we've just watched the spirit, we say the spirit of the Lord took over. Well, uh, we understand that statement in context, but uh, another way of looking at that is that what happens is that, that God just allowed something to flow out of who we are and what our lives are all about. Amen, it's not about us. I'm not suggesting that, but I'm saying that the righteousness of living day in and day out, God honors that. And so this, when you see a, a divine move of God, that's not the end result of a song that was just spot on. That's not the end result of a sermon that had no, no errors in it, but it is the end result of God taking over and allowing something to flow from us and through us, amen. The text that I read this morning, I said many times is a fairly common passage of scripture and I would assume that heaven holds the only true record of how many times this passage has been preached and or taught. But for those who may not be familiar and for the sake of all, I wanna remind you that Paul and Silas had come to Philippi to do one thing. They had come for one purpose or one one meaning, but they ended up doing something quite different. They showed up to do one thing, but they wound up doing another. They come to Philippi to preach the gospel, but they ended up in jail. Uh, that's a pretty big pendulum swing if you ask me <laughs> because I have preached the gospel and I have been to prison. Amen, I'll, I'll let the carnal just savor that a moment. <laughs> That's a pretty big pendulum swing. And uh, thankfully, I was allowed to go in and out of prison. Thank you very much. But they had come to do good, but only received evil in return. They had come to set people free, but in a strange twist of fate, they found themselves losing their freedom. They came to preach a gospel that would deliver men, and now they found themselves 
bound and thrown into a prison. And so in like fashion, our service and our labor for the Lord does not always turn out like we planned. It doesn't always come out of the oven. Come on, ladies. The, the cake doesn't always come out of the oven like we intended for it to come out. There have been times, and, and I take this please in, in the spirit that I say it in, but there have been times in, in preparing a message I thought, this is really gonna go over. And people just stared at me and you could hear crickets in the background. And then there have been other times when you go, I don't know so much about this. And people just connect and respond and you just realize that it just didn't turn out the way that I planned. And so what I try to do in those cases, I, if I'm, I'll be sure that I don't take the credit for the good times so I don't wanna take the blame for the bad times. Amen. It's not always the result of some positive response or some personal reward. However, just when you thought nothing good could come out of a situation, we see God's hand begin to work in such an unorthodox fashion. The hand of God just kind of steps in and says, I'll take this from here. What seemed like one of the worst days in their life turned out to be an unplanned opportunity to minister to men that they would have otherwise never been able to reach. It is said that the world's best supply of perfume comes from the roses on the Balkan mountains. However, the flowers from which the lovely fragrance is distilled must be gathered during the darkest part of the night. Therefore, the laborers start shortly after 12 midnight and they conclude their picking after only two short hours. The brevity of their work period is based on scientific evidence and tests, which have proved that during this gloomy interval, the blossoms give their most pleasing scent, while 40% of their aroma disappears in the light of day. And yet we all really, really, really look at times and seasons of trial and discomfort with great disdain. And yet God is telling us that there is something can, that can be loosed in our lives during those seasons that cannot be tapped into otherwise. God can use midnight hours of our life to give birth to something that is laced with great fragrance. I think there are people sitting here this morning that can relate to similar situations in your life. Because I'm looking at people this morning, although you're dressed mighty pretty and everybody looks in your Sunday best, you look well, but I can tell you from experience that I know there are people here this morning that have sat through and walked through and perhaps are walking through at this very moment one of the most dark hours of their relationship with God. Yet we know from experience that often God can take those seasons, if I will be still in the master's hand, if I will be careful in the master's hand, God in that hour and season of pressing can release something in me that will be positive. Amen, the olive must be pressed. It must be pressed in order for the oil to come forth. The oil in the scripture is always referred to as the anointing or is related to the anointing of God. But if I am not careful in the master's hand and I allow the pit of that olive to be broken, the pit is filled with bitterness and it will destroy, it will destroy the worth and the value of the anointing that God is trying to release in my life. And so sometimes in that midnight testing, when everything is pressing so hard, I wanna make sure that it's there, that I really watch my steps. I wanna make sure in that season that I guard my words and that I don't avail my spirit to the wrong thing because I want the anointing to be extracted, but I don't want any bitterness to taint the anointing of God in my life. Amen, oh, help us to real, realize the value of walking through these seasons with our head up and with our hands lifted. Perhaps it wasn't something as pronounced as a prison sentence for us, but many have found themselves in situations that you just never planned on. I remember visiting a, 
an elderly minister several years ago and some things in his health had taken a, a turn for the worse and my wife and I had gone to visit him and, and we sat in the room and talked with him so long after many, many years of ministry and, and then he just looked at us and I will never forget the statement that was more than something that came from his lips but it really came from his heart. He said, I just never saw this day coming in my life. I never thought about that it would be me that would be sitting here, amen. And so I thought, Lord, as this man now is trying to grapple with where he is in life, help me to keep the spirit that he has about it. Help me to keep the attitude that he has about it. I didn't envision ever being here, but God has kept his hand on me all of these years, and I know that he will see me through, amen. We have been in those midnight hours and then watched God open a door of ministry opportunity that we just did not anticipate. A man was staying in a chalet in the Swiss Alps and early one morning he heard what sounded like and felt like an earthquake. Hurriedly he got out of bed and ran down to the front desk and asked if there was something wrong. Was there an earthquake? Were the mountains breaking? What was going on in a frantic state of mind? The man at the front desk began to explain. He said, sir, we're on the west side of the mountain. And as the sun comes up in the east and the snow and the ice begin to expand as they warm, the expansion causes a large crashing. And it was the expanding of that ice. That's what you heard this morning. And that's what you felt. And then with a comforting smile, the man behind the counter said this. He said, sir, when you hear that sound, it's not the end of the world. It's just the beginning of a new day. Amen. It's not the end of it all, but it is the dawning of something else. And so what sounded like the end to you, to us who understand what's really going on, we understand that means that the sun has one more time come up and the heat has one more time begin to shine. I'll say this morning to us who understand, even though we don't look forward to seasons of trial, but to us who understand, we realize that God is wanting to give something, give birth to something in my spirit. And so I wanna be sensitive now. I don't wanna start throwing rocks now. I don't wanna start cursing God or charging God foolishly. When I think of everything that Job encountered and it said of him, yet he didn't sin with his lips, yet he never shook his hand to heaven. He never cursed God. He just had the mindset that the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, I didn't come into this world with anything and I surely will not leave this world with anything, but I'm gonna trust him even in the midnight hours. Amen. Maybe the Lord has given birth to something brand new in our lives, even though it doesn't seem like it at this inopportune time. Paul and Silas responded to their unexpected imprisonment in a quite unusual fashion. Instead of cursing God, they decided we're gonna praise God. Amen, they collectively decided we're just gonna give God some honor here. We too have choices as to how we are going to respond to the things that happen to us along this journey called life. They can break us Amen, or we can look within for some new reason to lift our voices and praise God. I can't ever think about this that I don't think about that season of time that Saul was in trouble with God. Amen, Saul was really descending from the throne and David was ascending to the throne and there's this muddy middle, if I may refer to it as such, and the spirit of the Lord would move upon Saul and when the spirit of God moved upon Saul and he become trouble. The Bible says he would pick up his javelin and he would throw it at David and try to take his life. And yet when that same spirit of that same God moved upon David, he didn't, he had a choice, amen, but he didn't reach down and try to find his sword or his javelin, but he reached down and said, where is my heart? I'm gonna praise God. I'm gonna write another song. I'm not trying to sound spiritually mystical this morning, but I am telling you that unequivocally, we have choices to make. I can allow bitterness to get in my heart. I can allow indifference to get in my spirit or I can realize
realize that God may be setting me up for some unintentional influence. God may be positioning me here for something that I cannot see, I cannot define, I cannot determine within my own self. In their own response to their imprisonment, Paul and Silas ended up having an unintentional influence on people around them. To be sure, Paul and Silas were not singing because they were in prison. Oh no, they were cut out of the same fabric that we're cut out of. I would imagine they looked upon that prison sentence like you and I would look on a prison sentence. They were not singing because they were in prison. They weren't thanking the Lord for this punishment. They weren't saying, oh Lord, I wanna thank you for this torture. But they sang because of where their faith was hooked. Amen, their faith was not in this world. I'm gonna tell you, our elders taught us something if we'll open our eyes and listen. Our elders taught us something when they lifted their voices and closed their eyes and with hands raised high. They sang for years, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I don't think they were just reaching for gates of pearl and streets of gold, but I believe they were singing through their trouble and they were singing through their peril. Everything is not all right in my life. Everything is not okay. Everything didn't turn out like I planned, but I've got hope beyond this world. I've got hope beyond this set September day, amen, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through, amen, I, I love them for that and I thank them for giving me that kind of courage, they, saw, they sang Paul and Silas because they couldn't help but to sing. Matthew 12 and 34, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Amen, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so this is what was coming out of them in a time of trial, in a time of testing. It was this unintentional influence. David said this in Psalms 42 and eight, yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me. Hallelujah. Amen. God is not just with me in the day. God is not just with me when all is well, but God can be with me in the night. His song shall be with me and my prayer unto, unto the God of my life. He said in the night time, his song is not gonna get up and walk out. There's a lot of friends that'll get up and walk out. There's a lot of acquaintances that'll get up and walk out. There's a lot of things that you counted on for security that'll just crumble to dust. But I'm gonna tell you, he said the Lord, his song is gonna come to me in the night. Hallelujah. Paul and Silas had no way of really understanding, but they they were about to be used of the Lord in a fashion that would be recorded for all of the world to see. Now think about it. They're in prison. They came to preach. They came to have revival. They came to evangelize. Now all of a sudden, bars are closing behind them. They are sitting here. Amen. Together they thought, we're going to have to praise the Lord. I believe we're going to sing. You remember that old chorus. I don't know how it all went and there's been a lot of speculation. I've heard a lot of cute, wonderful things inserted right here and I'll just resist the temptation to do so. But they began to sing, nonetheless, unto the Lord and they had no idea that they were sitting at an intersection in time. Amen. That would be forever branded. It would be forever stopped. They had no way of realizing that it was going to be written and the ages would be reading about it. They had no way to know that on this September 29, 2013 morning that I was going to read this text and I was going to encourage this house full of people today. Amen. With an age old story. And so they weren't doing this. Let's sing so somebody will record it. Let's sing so somebody will write it down. Let's sing so we can be famous. Let's sing so we can be popular. They said let's sing because God God is God. Let's sing because he knows what he's doing. Let's praise him because he's worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Going to praise him because he's worthy. They were about to do something so unintentional. <laughs> but it was going to be highly influential. As I stated earlier, I, I do believe that our church needs to be, intent, needs to be intentional about its ministries. I mean, the church needs intentional givers. That's right. And intentional attenders. 
intentional worshipers. Amen. We can't just survive on, on what, what people would just decide to do on a whim. Amen. If they're going to maybe give, maybe not, maybe worship, maybe not, maybe pray, maybe not. Somebody needs to make this up in our mind now. I'm going to be real intentional about this. Amen. We need intentional teaching. We need intentional preaching. I believe we need intentional singing. Amen. I believe we need intentional ministries in the church. Certainly we need that. An effort or a ministry that is unplanned is very often unfruitful. The lack of a conscious preparation often results in wasted time and wasted effort. But we can never underestimate or underestimate the power or the impact or the value of unintentional ministries. To be very specific, I told you, I warned you I was going to testify, and I, I, and I told you, uh, I think right after this happened, during camp meeting this year, uh, I, I was, due to some kind of miscommunication on, to, solely on my part, I, I showed up at a meeting that I not only did not have to attend, I wasn't even invited to attend. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I come walking in the door, and a computer in my hand, and, and I walk in, I realize in an instant I'm in the wrong place. And so I'm through the glass door trying to bow out and Brother Williams motions for me to come on in. I'm gonna tell the story again for the sake of those who haven't heard it. But, uh, and so I was sitting there and, and, and uh, he said, come on here, just sit down here by me. And I sit down behind him. Obviously, I had no plan to be there, realized in a moment of time I had, I had made a big uh, error. And, and, uh, but he said, sit down here. And there was a room full of ministers and pastors that was sitting there and, and uh, all of a sudden, Brother Williams opened the meeting up. I'd just been there maybe a two, three minutes at the very most. And, and uh, he said, that, and uh, to get our meeting started this morning, our, our main speaker is running late, so Brother Boyd is gonna get us started. <laughs> and uh, so I look at him, you know, here's my best friend. And I'm thinking, if this, if this is how your best friend would do you, what, what in the world would an enemy do to you at this moment? And uh, he didn't even have the courtesy to glance back. He just kept staring forward. But here's, here's, here's my point. I obviously had not planned on this. And in many respects, I was not prepared for this. However, the Lord, in that instant, just a, a peace came over me. And the Lord gave me a word. Amen. For that very moment. I'm testifying now. Amen. I'm testifying. And then a couple of weeks ago, I was again, I, I'm seeing a pattern here, I was again in another meeting with Brother Williams. And I was supposed to be in this meeting. I, there's no doubt about it, I was supposed to be an attendee of this meeting, and so I intentionally got there about 10 minutes ahead of time because I'm just to be present. Certainly that's the sum total of why I am there. And uh, so I, I looked at Brother Williams and I, I said, well, what's the plan? And so he said, well, this is what we're gonna do. And so he starts going through this and he said, then at this point, I'm gonna have you speak. <laughs> and uh, I thought, wow. And I'm telling you that a spirit of peace came over me. I'm testifying now. And I remembered a scripture, just a scripture. I hadn't thought about this scripture in a long time. But I remembered a scripture and it was just a thought. It was just one 30 second thought. But I also remembered him saying, I'm gonna have you speak. And so I'm sitting on the front row, right where Brother Tim is sitting, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and the service, we're going through the service, and, I, and, and there's one half of me, because I'm a worrier by nature, because I'm, I'm related to my mother, and so I'm a worrier. I got here in this world as a worrier, and so I'm sitting there, and one part of me is worried, and one part of me is thinking, you know, this is a good scripture, that's a good passage, but what we're gonna do beyond that. But the other side of me, there was a peace, Brother Corin, that just blanketed over my heart, and I walked to the pulpit and when I opened my mouth and began to share that scripture, God
God at that moment, hear me now, God at that moment began to flow through me. Amen, and the Lord gave me some things to say that I had never, ever thought about before, never crossed my mind. But as I was speaking, as I was speaking, the Lord was speaking because God had something to say to this congregation and I was just a vessel. It was an unintentional influence. Amen, I can't say that I had been praying and fasting and when he told me I was gonna be speaking, I just knew because the angels had already woke me up the night before. No, it was just something the Lord dropped in my heart and just enough to get started. But he told his disciples, he said, if you'll go, I'll fill your mouth with words to say. And so I don't think I'm boasting this morning. I'm testifying and I'm standing on the word of God. Amen, an unintentional influence. I thought, Lord, I really appreciate that. And I was encouraged by it. I was encouraged so much by the word that God had given me. I called my wife on the way home and I told her what happened. I said, I just wanna share with you what the Lord laid on my heart but I didn't realize that really and truly God was setting me up not for that night but for the next night and the next night I was sitting at home and in, in, in my recliner I was just sitting there with my computer in my lap minding my own business and I got a phone call and on the other end of the phone was a, a minister and he said I need some help because I have never faced what I'm facing right now and I've never been here, and I, I, need, a, I need some direction, I need some help. And, and all of a sudden, Brother Rayleigh, the Lord reminded me of what had happened just less than 24 hours ago. And I realized that God was not just giving me a word for that congregation, but God had given me this thought because it was going to be exactly what this man needed to hear. I said, I'm testifying now. I'm talking about unintentional influence. Amen, this is not something I set out to do. This is not something I intended to do. But last night, that same man and I were on on the phone and he said, I wanna thank you for those words. I've been holding on to that. I've been holding on to that. I'm talking about unintentional influencers. Amen, yes, we wanna plan and yes, we wanna pray, prepare and we wanna pray, we wanna study, we wanna give ourselves to God but I'm gonna tell you, you never know when God is just gonna release something in you and just use us for a vessel. Hallelujah. <laughs> just use us for a vessel in just a little while. Amen, just a little a while, this congregation is gonna dismiss and go to our annex and you're gonna dip all kind of food. There's gonna be homemade dishes of this and homemade dishes of that and, and you're, gonna, you're gonna ask, well, who did this squash casserole and, and who made these peas and who cooked this ham? And, and, but, but very few people are gonna say, whose vessel is this? Whose pot is this? Whose pan is this? Whose glass is this? Whose container is this? Because you see, that's not where the value is. The value is what's in the container as I talked about Wednesday night. And so I'm telling you that it's not about us, but it's about him. And if God can use us, there is no telling what can be released in our lives through unintentional influence. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, let it flow naturally through us. God, let it flow naturally through us. Amen, because, because at that moment, at that moment, that may be when we are at our purest. <laughs> Amen, let me say that again because it's at that moment that we may be our purest. I've been in those situations where, Lord, if you don't say something, it's gonna be a mess. If you don't do something, this is gonna be a mess. One man said people are sometimes more blessed by overhearing us than by hearing us. And God was able to take their songs at midnight and use them to bless others. A few weeks ago, we had brother and sister James Varnum here and, and um, most of you know brother and sister Varnum. They've been friends for a long time and, and uh, they're, while, they're, while they are personal friends, they are also leaders in our organization and many people see brother and sister Varnum or brother Varnum especially on the platform at various district functions and, and that's the kind of relationship maybe that you have with him and they were here with us on Sunday morning and ministered to us. They had spoke to a group of our leaders on Saturday and then they preached in that morning service and then after the morning service, I had asked them to speak to our ministry teams and their wives after a meal and so 
Brother Varnum got up and began to talk about a few things and then he began to tell a story. And he, he, he began to talk about their church. Their church on Thursday mornings has men's prayer and, and it's kind of a loosely framed men's prayer meeting. Uh, some of their men get up and go to work at different hours. Some of them as early as 4.30 come by the church and pray. And, and, uh, but he said about, about 6.30 is when the nucleus of those men come together. And, and so they meet at 6.30 and, and, and just have a time of prayer. And he said it was during this, this men's prayer meeting that uh, he, he started praying. And, and uh, during that period of time, the Lord just began to impress on him the name Lillian, Lillian. And he said just when he'd pray, just kept feeling that coming over and over. I talked to him a little bit about this yesterday. I wanted to get some of this refreshed in my own mind. And so he said that the word Lillian, the name Lillian just kept coming to him. And so he said that in Bellevue where they live, there is a Lake Lillian and, and there's a park all the way around the lake and a jogging track and, and it's, kind of a place where a lot of people in the community gather and so he felt Lillian and so his mind just went to Lake Lillian and, and uh, so he said, I, I didn't know anything else to do but after those prayer meetings, he, he started going down to the lake and he took his guitar with him and there's benches around the lake and so he just started getting out his guitar and singing on the bench, he just just singing to whoever, some people jogging past, and he said he made sure he kept his guitar case closed and he didn't want people to think he was singing for money. <laughs> Play, playing and singing for an offering, and so he, he just plays and he sings in one week, and then the next Thursday he goes back and he, and he, and he plays and sings again, and the, the next week he goes back and he just Lillian, 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 and, and so he, the, the third week he's sitting on the bench playing his guitar for a season of time, and the fourth week, and then the fifth week, and then the sixth week he goes, and when he gets there, there is a couple sitting at this table, and uh, so he didn't really know what to do, but that's the table that he always went to every Thursday. So he said, I just went to the table. And I set my guitar up on the table and took it out. And he said, I just started playing. And uh, he, he said, as, as he was getting ready to do all that, he spoke to the man and woman. And I, I missed one part. Let me go back to this. He said that every time that he would meet somebody during this several week interval, that when he would meet them, he would just introduce himself as James. Just James, not Brother Varnum. And uh, his son is now the pastor of the church and so they refer to him as the bishop of the church. So not Bishop Varnum, but he just said, everybody that he met, he just stuck his hand out and said, hello, my name is James. And so on this six, six weeks later, He's sitting there getting ready to play his, his guitar and, and, and the, the man, he speaks to the man and woman and so he extends his hand out and, and he says, hello, my name is James and, and so he tells him what his name is and so he, he plays a little while and the woman has said nothing and so in a, a few moments he asked the lady, he said, ma'am, what is your name? You're already ahead of me. And she said, my name is Lillian. My name is James. I'm glad to meet you. And he began to talk to them about God and witness to them. And then he invited them to church. And they said, well, we've got no way to come to church. We don't, we don't have a car. And he said, well, I'll come by and pick you up. If you'll come to church, I'll come by and pick you up. And so, and so he's telling this, it's kind of getting humorous now at this point because he said all, these, all this time that he's been talking to them, they just know him as James. And so he's picking them up and he's driving to the church and he said, I know just as soon as we get to the church that people are gonna start greeting me, good morning, Bishop, or good morning, Pastor, or whatever. And, uh, and he said, I didn't know how to quite handle this and, and, uh, because all he knew them as is James. But nevertheless, he took them to the house of God and that man and woman was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Are you hearing me now? Amen, I'm talking about unintentional influences. Amen, unintentional influences where somebody said, I'm just gonna be obedient to the Lord and I'm gonna let God do what he would have me do. I, I, I got to thinking about that yesterday 
day after I spoke with him, six weeks, that's a long time. Amen, that's a long time to go down there and, and play and sing. Amen, I know some of you kind of having a hard time. You just visualize Brother Varnum in one kind of bracket in your mind and kind of have a hard time seeing him on that park bench playing his guitar and singing. Six weeks, hey, one week, another week, another week, another week, another week, and thinking, Lord, is this all right? I'm talking about unintentional influences. What we do may not always happen from behind this pulpit or what we do may not always happen within the framework or the structure of this corporate service or a corporate service like that. Amen, I'm telling you today that God can touch us. Amen, God can use us and God can anoint us. When we just say, Lord, here we are, I'm just asking you to use me. Amen, I, I, I'm being pretty intentional this morning because I had to preach and so I wanted a text to start and I wanted, a, I wanted something to end with but I'm not worried about today. I'm wondering about how God could use me this afternoon or what God could do to, through me today or, or tomorrow, what God could do to speak through me. Amen, I, I realize I've used a lot of personal illustrations and again, I'm not trying to boast. I'm just talking about what God can do. I'm gonna ask our musicians to come. You see, God is just looking for available hands. I, I'm not trying to just revisit Wednesday so, so much here this morning, but I closed the service when Moses said, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. And God just said, put your hand in here and take it out. And it was white with leprosy. Put it back in, take it out. And he made it whole. And what God, I believe, was telling Moses is I just need your hands. I, I just need your hands, that's all. If you'll just empty yourself of self, empty your schedule of you, if I can move me out of the way enough and let God step into the scene. This past Thursday, I was scheduled to go to the newest prison that God has opened an opportunity for us there and, and teach a Bible class. However, after service Wednesday night, I got extremely sick. And uh, I, w I was sick all through the night. I didn't sleep hardly any at all, just a few hours. So about daylight, I just got up and I went back to my chair and I'm, I'm just trying to debate what to do, what to do, what to do. My wife came in a little while and said, are, are you sure you're able to do this? And, and I'm just gonna be honest with you. I just can't tell you that God came down and we had just this Jesus moment. The Lord said, you need to go, you need to go. I really went because I had committed to go. <laughs> that was it. I told the man I would be there. And so I'm, I'm just trying to get my mind together and the Lord just gave me some scriptures and, and I, I would love to be able to tell you that you know I just wept all the way there. That's not how it happened. Just the mere thought of anything to drink or eat just, just churned inside of me. And so I went, I went in and, and so they announced the class to come and it, it's an open, what is referred to as an open call class. I just say there's something going on in the chapel if you'd like to come. 18 men walked in the chapel. And so I said, uh, thank you for coming. And, and um, because we're so new there, we know none of these men and they don't know us really. And uh, I said, I, I just want to take a few minutes of your time today and I, I want to share with you a Bible lesson and so these men gathered in and they turned in their Bibles and I told them I said I want to read to you from a passage of scripture found in the book of Ezekiel this particular passage is where the Lord used Ezekiel to speak to Jerusalem about her abominations and, and it's a very pointed and 
bold passage of Scripture. Ezekiel 16, verses 1 through 6, and and essentially the Lord was saying, Jerusalem, I see you in your abominations. And he said, because of what you've done, he said, you're like a a baby. And this was a reference to just an occultish custom that if a baby was unwanted or if a baby was deformed, that the parents would just throw the baby as it, as it, right after birth, just throw it into a field and just let the beast eat the baby. And, and um, so he said, that I saw you in that condition. This is the Lord speaking to Jerusalem. I saw you in that condition. And then verse number six, I'm gonna ask them to put that on the screen because this was the last verse. I read these verses leading up to this. And then this is what the Lord said. He said, when I passed by thee and I saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. And so I just use this scripture as a catalyst to say, you know, no matter what we've done in our life, God can find us in the mess that we're in. And he he doesn't discard us. And he didn't say, you deserve this. But God came by in their bloody state. In some of these other verses, it says your navel was not even cut. You were just born and thrown into the field. And I came by and I said, live, yea, live. And I just kept going through that. And that scripture kept coming to my mind, that sixth verse. And so I just kept referring to that. And I would, I would teach a little while and I would say, but you gotta remember, guys, he came by in their worst condition and he said, live. Live. Yay, live. Our time was up and I asked those men to stand. We're gonna close with prayer and then I did something that I've never done before. Because generally when you dismiss, you've generally we've taught or preached right up to the last minute. (laughs) And so they're, they're gonna usher them right back out. And so I did something that I've never done before. I said, now, gentlemen, we're gonna pray and dismiss and I'm gonna ask you to do me a favor. When I say amen, just stand still and give me a minute to get back to the back door because I wanna shake your hands on the way out. And so we prayed a dismissal prayer and, and, and I walked back to the back door and then one by one, they started filing out. Thank you for coming by. Thank you for being here. There was a man next to the last in line, a big, burly man. I'd watched him through the class, Sister Trail. He, he was listening. He didn't really ever nod his head and amen or say anything. There was not a lot of body language that said, I'm with you. He was listening. This big, rough, tough guy. And he just walks up to me and we're just standing there. There's just moment of awkward silence. And when he opens his mouth to speak, tears pour. And they are, and I'm not embellishing the story, they're dripping down on his shirt. And when he could finally speak, he said, he said, this message was for me today. This message was for me today. And I'm standing there and he said, I, I, I've been in another institution. He said, I've been in South Florida. And he said, because of everything I'm going through, he said, the spirit of suicide in the last several weeks has got on me. And he said, I want you to understand something, preacher. I'm not given to that. But I haven't been able to shake it. He said, In the prison that I was in, I had taken some linens and I had made a rope to hang myself. And I had already picked out a place and a time where I knew I could be alone long enough to end it all. And he said, Monday, they came by my cell and said, load up. He said, they pulled me out of that cell and put me on a bus and he said Monday afternoon and Tuesday I've been bouncing all over Florida and he said yesterday I wound up here (laughs) and he said this morning I was sitting on my bunk and the loudspeaker said there's a 
There's a Bible class in the chapel. And he said, I just stood up and I just started walking this way. And he said, I don't even know. I didn't even know why I was coming. But I know now. And I'm testifying. He said, sir, you saved my life today. You saved my life. Oh, yeah, I just ran, jumped up on the platform and did a little rocky movement. Look at me, look at me, look at me. No. I had prayer with him where he stood. They had to usher him out. I told him about our services and I had prayer with him. And I left. I went and I sat in my truck and I couldn't even leave the parking lot. I just sat there and I thought, oh, God. Oh God, we're just so busy with this and busy with that. And and when I think about how narrow the margin was that I would not even have gone. No, it was not an angel, Brother Tim, that said, you need to go. There's somebody there I need you to minister to. No, it was an obligation made two weeks before. I'm talking about unintentional influences. It was at that moment that I realized, oh God, this is serious. This is life and death. And so I'm trying to preach to you this morning that it's not about who's holding the microphone. It's not about whose name is on these screens. It's not about all of this business. It's about saying, God, I don't even know why I'm here, but if if you can use anything, Lord, just take these hands. If you can use a voice, God, I'll lend it to the kingdom. If you can use something, Sarah, Sarah said this. She said, oh, Lord. She said, oh, Lord, if you'll give me a child, I'll give him to you. Hannah said, if you'll give me a child. Hannah said, if you'll give me a child, I'll give him to you all the days of his life. And Sister, Sister Osborne She was as good as her word because when she weaned him, she took him to the temple and set him in the lap of the priest and said, he's yours. He's yours. I'm asking us to stand. I'm talking about unintentional, unintentional influences. Lord, help us today. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, I'm telling you that the scripture says, live, 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 he sees us where we are and he says, live. And so I will tell you today, our finest sermons may be the ones that we live and our finest songs may be those that we sing at midnight. It may not be here that God moves. It may not be now that God moves. We need to respond. Amen, we need to move now. God is touching us in this house. Amen, it may not be here that God does something It may not be now that the Spirit does something. Oh, you don't know in that midnight hour, Paul and Silas had no idea what they were releasing when they said, I think we ought to sing. I think we ought to praise. I think we ought to magnify the Lord. I feel that same compelling in my spirit today. We ought to praise him. We ought to magnify him. We ought to glorify him. What a mighty God, 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 mighty God, what a mighty God. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.